was a blessing. The Word of God was powerful. If you weren't here, you can get a copy of the CD, or I'm sure it's uploaded to Podbean, so you can get it there. Amen. It was a powerful word. I wrote down so many nuggets, and I'm ready to write them down again tonight. I just want to share with you, we're getting ready for our offering, and tonight's offering is going to go all to Pastor Festus, but I just want to read you a scripture as you're giving. So you can give by check, or you can give through PayPal or Tithely, and of course, we'll take your diamonds and your watches and everything else that you have to put in the basket tonight. Um, James 1.17 says this, Every good gift and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation of shadow due to a change. This is a powerful scripture of the goodness of God, but it's also a reminder of how our offerings are just part of our giving back to the Father of lights. Amen? So you can stand with me tonight as you get ready to give. Father, we just thank you for this service. We thank you, Lord, for the rich word that's about ready to come. Father, I pray, God, that our ears would be open, that our hearts would be retentive to receive, God, that we would receive all that you have for us to hear and to receive, Father. Father, I thank you for your presence here tonight, and I thank you, God, this is rich soil to give into, so I ask you to bless it tonight, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise, Praise the Lord. Lord. Okay, I think I'm on now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, this is my last meeting in the tree, and tomorrow I'm flying back to Europe. And it's such a wonderful time to be here with you. Amen. And I've been also refreshed Amen. worshiping God with you people this morning and again this evening. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. It is such a beautiful presence of God here. And what a blessing to Amen. be here and be refreshed with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I had a, um, last spring when I was here in the States, I preached in a church in uh, Mississippi, at Cary, Mississippi. And as I was praying for people, the power of God was so strong and present. And I told them, uh, you can bring a handkerchief or, and I can pray for it and you can take it to somebody who is sick or whatever, maybe at home. And I have seen God do so many healings and miracles that way. And as I came back this time, a lady came to me. I have the testimony here on my iPad. I had a video of her tell this testimony. She said she, she, she didn't have any handkerchief, so she took a paper towel, what do you have there, and brought it to me. Then I prayed. She put it in her purse. Maybe even forget about it. And then she went to Arkansas to visit with her daughter, who is there living with her family there. And uh, they thought I have a 16-year-old son. And in the school, he had a very strong allergy attack. Strong, I don't know what the name of that very allergy, but very strong. And they did all they could for him, and he couldn't help him. And he was basically passing away. So they left her in the room, and they didn't know what to do with her. 
So she was called in to come and watch the boy in the, in the school, in the classroom. And she stood down there wondering. And then his face already had some bumps coming out. Some things was coming out of his face already. In, uh, I don't know what, what, what she called him. You know, but she was already having some all kinds of things coming out of his face. You know, because of the allergy or something. It was so strong and he was lying down there. So he was lying. She, the guy, his boy is lying down there. They don't know what to do with him. They have done all kinds of emergency things and nothing could help the boy. Then she said, oh, I don't know if I still have that, uh, that, kitchen, that uh, paper towel. So she opened her purse and found that paper towel in her purse. This is her own very story. It's right here on my iPad. And she said, I took it out of my purse. The moment it touched the boy, the boy jumped up. And the boy said, Mama, I died. I actually died. I was dead. And the boy lived. And they said all the spots or bumps in his face, all of them disappeared. 16 years old. And then the friends told him, you are shining. You are bright. You look so, your eyes are full of life. He said, but I died. I actually died. So the power of resurrection is actively at work today in the body of Christ. And I can tell you, there is hope for the body of Christ. There is hope for you and I. And I know with all my heart that we are in that season and time where we will see and experience the surge of the power of God like never before. And uh, Father, I thank you again this evening. And I bow before your throne, O oh God. Holy Ghost, you know I am totally, completely nothing without you. These are your people. I didn't die for them. You died for them. You pay the price, the ultimate price to redeem us. Here we are before your throne at this hour and time. Oh God, be glorified. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done here among us tonight as it is in heaven. Take over, take total control and dominate everything. That Christ may have the preeminence here tonight. Produce the fruit of my lips and glorify your name, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, I still have some few of the magazines and some few of the books, just three of them. I don't want to go back with them. I don't want to add extra luggage, extra you know, kilos to my bag. Praise the Lord. But let's get back to uh, that very place there in the book of Judges. And I really want you to understand this. We have to learn and understand how the kingdom of God works. We are in a time where sometimes many Christians don't really know, don't even want to know how it works. They don't want to understand, they don't want to read the details of how it works. But it is important and imperative at this hour for you and I to know how it really works. Open the book, understand it, know it in your own heart. How does this work? Is it possible? Can it work in me? Can it work through me? 
Is that for us all or just of some few people? God have no grandchildren. Say with me, God has no grandchildren. And listen, God have no favorites. Everybody, it is you that can make yourself precious. You can increase your value. Like here on earth, where we're all born, the, there's a way you live, there are things you do, there are things you learn and train yourself, you increase your own value. As human beings, we are all equal. But then, there are things you do and the way you do and things you learn, you, in, you make yourself more valuable than others. The same way it is in the kingdom of God. We are all born the same. But then, you can increase your value. You can make yourself more valuable than somebody else. Not because God gave you a special something. No, but because you choose to practice and apply divine principles and understand what is said and how it's said and how it works. For some others, they don't, want, they don't care. But you can increase your value. By the time I see you again, you can make yourself so valuable to the kingdom of God. Or you can make yourself less valuable. It is your choice. It is my choice. But I believe that in this hour we live, we want to make sure that all that God has for us, we don't lose nothing. Somebody say hallelujah. So let's get back into the book of Judges again. When you have time, read all about Samson. It's a very powerful, wonderful story in the Bible. We have so much to learn. Again, the devil never changes his tactics. Why? Because it still works for him. Why change it? But the Bible says we are not what? Ignorant of his devices. We don't have to be. And as I said in the morning, being weak at this time can cost you everything. It is one thing to be a believer, to be a Christian, to be a, a child of God, to love God, but you are weak. And as long as you are weak and choose to stay weak, <laughs> you will be bound. And you will be tormented. And you will be exploited. And your soul will be plundered. But that's, it ought not to be so. And the devil can give you anything in the world just to plunder your soul. And you are ruined in the inside. God wants to build a formidable army in this end time. Men and women who know the secret of strength. Somebody say hallelujah. And so here, Delilah was sent to know the secret of Samson's strength. It's not just Samson, it's you and me. The enemy wants to know how to weaken you, how to paralyze you, what can be used, how, it can be, how they can work it out until you are completely spiritually bankrupt. He was not against Samson's religion or church. That's not the problem. He can be religious. He can have the right doctrines and right everything. But as long as he is weak, he can be bound. And he can be tormented. And he can be plundered. And he will no more become a threat to the kingdom, to their kingdom. The devil doesn't want you to be a threat to his kingdom. He wants you to become an ordinary person. 
That's what they wanted for, for Samson. We want to reduce him to an ordinary person. Where what, what frightens everybody, frightens him. What torments everybody, torments him. What kills everybody, kills him. What oppresses everybody. So he can be ordinary and go through life like ordinary person, nothing. Even though he have the right religion, but now nah, doesn't make any difference. But God doesn't want you to be an ordinary person. God choose you and I to become extraordinary people. Can somebody say hallelujah? Woo, hallelujah. And look what happened then. Finally, you know the story. Samson revealed the secret to Delilah. And after she has put so much pressure on him, the Bible said he was, he was pressured unto death. We are in a time and hour where there's intense pressure. And you can be here this evening, and you've been under intense pressure from every angle. Everything is sucking strength from you. There's a call here, there's a call there, there's a pressure at home, at the job, in your marriage, in your home, in your health, and, and there's some intense pressure. And that's what the devil does. The devil likes to overwhelm you and I. He will attack you from every angle. Look at Hamas and Israel. They attacked from every angle at the same time just to overwhelm. David said, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Say with me, say with me when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher. That's Psalm 61. And, and but what happens is this. When we feel so overwhelmed, most of the times, we don't run to the rock that is higher than us. We look for some temporary relief in anything, in anybody. We start calling that person, this person, that person, and we, we just want to go to a movie. We're just going to eat something or do something. We're trying to find a quick fix. <laughs> and quick fixes can cost you more than if you really fixed it right. Quick fixes. That's why when your heart is overwhelmed and, and your heart seems to be ripped open, maybe you go through a divorce, sudden something happened, sudden catastrophe, some strange thing happened to you. And, and, and like, almost like in marriage, you know, sometimes I, I have seen people and, and they lost their husband and they lost a wife or, or, or they were divorced or, they, or something really happened. You feel naked. You feel totally, completely ripped into pieces. Most of the time, we seek for a quick fix. You can see somebody, the wife left him or the husband left him and then they look for anything that has trousers on. Anything that have a skirt, whatever, even if it's a goat, just to fill up that gap. It, 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 you know what I'm talking about. We, you will wonder very quickly. Oh, you lost a job, and, and now you know you're a Christian. You ought not to be selling that kind of thing or doing such kind of business, but you are trying to just find something. Listen, when you are ripped into pieces, when you are bleeding and naked, and seem to be completely ruined, don't run for a quick fix. Go through the pain. Go patiently through the dark tunnel. 
Because many times when we run for the quick fix, the devil is there. That's why he put the pressure on you to lull you and pull you into something that's even going to be more painful, more shameful, more humiliating in times to come. Sometimes be careful on the, when the first person you say, marry me, when you've been ripped into pieces. Wait, let God heal you. Don't make decisions when you are drowning. No drowning person makes right decisions. <laughs> Go through it. Run to the rock. Tell somebody, run. run. To the rock. Run. Say again, run. run. To the rock. Run. When your boyfriend leaves you, don't catch anything that has trousers on the next day. You can fall in love with a goat. Because you just want a quick fix. You want to show them, listen, I'm still alive, you know. I'm not that useless as you think. I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to show you how I can do this and do that. This is why even sometimes people buy what they cannot pay for. Because they are trying to impress everybody to show as if they are still okay, as if they are still in control, as if they are still alive. Come on, people. When you are ripped in pieces, when you are bleeding and shameful, when it seems as if your life has come to an end, don't run for any quick fix. Go through the pain. Go through the shame. Wait on the Lord. Run to Jesus. Let him be your strength. Let him be your glory. Let him be your covering. You know, many years ago, I was in this crystal clear vision. And I was driving my little car. This car was so stupid. And he was making, he was in the vision now. He was making so much noise. No, 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 no. And he was moving at the, the snail speed. I was trying to make it move. It ain't moving. The noise was so terrible. It was like hell. The car is, and he's spinning around. Instead of moving faster, the tire is digging a hole. And I'm going down on there. And here I look on the right side here on this seat here. And the Holy Ghost was sitting down there. Quietly. Calmly. And I look at him and say, Lord, you ain't helping me. Here you are sitting there. I'm serious. I told him that. I'm trying everything. I'm doing my best. I'm serving you. I'm loving you. And here you are. And, and, and you are not helping me. Now, now, you may think I'm the most rude. You might have done that before without even knowing. Yeah. I mean, to God. What the Holy Ghost endures from us is unimaginable. It has shocked me through the years. How come you are still here? I mean, how, how far will you go with this warm called Festus? Why don't you leave this little thing to go to hell? It amazes me, the patience of the Holy Spirit. It's unimaginable. So here, a man was, I said, said you're not helping me. Some of you are here like that. You may not even say that to God, but in your heart, you are boiling. You are cooking. You are angry. Things are not going the way you want it to go. Or in the speed you want it to go. You are wondering, where is God? Why is he not helping me? I am praying. I'm fasting. I'm sowing seed. I'm giving. I'm serving all. But where are you, God? And, I, and it was crystal clear vision as I'm seeing you. And I was shocked what he said to me. He said to me, would you let me drive? That's okay. And God is my witness. Like as I'm talking to you, I came out of the car. 
He come this way, get into the driver's seat, and I sat here. And then he started driving. And the sound, now I'm not, please, I'm not, this, these are holy things to me. I'm not just trying to preach to you. And the sound of the car was pure symphony. The car was moving gloriously with the wind of God. Pure, calm, quiet. Then I said to him, can you increase the speed? I'm serious. Can you go faster? He kept quiet. He kept going on the same speed. Everything was perfect, but I wanted him to go faster. I was enjoying everything, but I said, Lord, please, can you increase the speed? He never increased the speed. You see, God will never go by your speed. You cannot force God into something. God is my witness. I said, okay, let me drive again. With no argument with me, he stopped the car, came out. I get back. This is, as, as I'm telling you, it's crystal clear vision. And I get back into the driver's seat. And the useless, stupid noise came back. I would wish God open your eyes to see the sound of your life. You see, everybody, every, even mass or stars, they have an, a sound. The earth have a sound. When you are in outer space, they say, the, the, the sound of the earth is like the sound of a traveling woman. The Bible said, creation what? Groans. The sound of the, ask the scientists, they tell you, is the groaning sound. Mm, mm, that's the sound of the earth. Is traveling in pain. Uh, you, everybody, your life have a sound. It emits to God. You see, most times what God hears is not what you say with your mouth. It's the sound of your life. And it, it may shock you that the sound of your life is not as beautiful as the songs you sing in the church. Some are screaming, kill them, kill them, kill them. <laughs> kill her. <laughs> it will shock you if the Lord opens your eyes to see the sound your life is emitting. I took driving again. And a useless, empty, foolish sound comes back. Making so much noise, they're going nowhere. That can be our lie many times. We're just making so much noise, but really not making any progress. If, even in a home, in a family, in a marriage, it's always screaming, always noise, but going nowhere. And this is how we are changing. When I said I'm going nowhere with my push, I said, Lord, you can take over again. And, and with no talking, no argument, when I get him out of this driver's seat, he will just sit down here, quiet. And my life is back in torment. And the noises, and this was before I went to the mission field. And everything all begins again. You know, we as human beings, we are afraid to lose control. We like to be on the driver's seat of life. 
That's what we got from Adam and Eve. We sucked the breast of Adam, the breast of Eve. It is, this, it is the spirit of independence. Satan told Adam, why depend on God? Don't be your own God. You can handle things, do things in your own way, whenever you want and how you want it. What do you need God for? Come on, be free. Come on. Do it your way as you want it, at, at the speed you want it. Take your own life in your hand. And as long as we are on the driver's seat of our lives, the Lord is there. He was not, he didn't go away. He was perfectly there, calm and quiet. I cannot understand how God will endure such stupid, silly rascal. And I will take over from him. And he just, no argument. He's a gentleman. He just comes quietly, get out of the queue, and I go. And here comes. I'm trying to make it fast. I'm getting old. I want to marry. I want to do this. I want to go here. I want to go. Quick, 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 quick. Do it quick, quick. What are you doing? God will never go by your speed. If you want peace in your life and victory and strength, let him be on the driver's seat. Good. And how quickly we take it over. We step in again, test the Lord, sit down here, let me just drive you. Holy Ghost was not sent here on earth for us to use him. Right. And for us to push God around when and where and what we want. As long as we are on the driver's seat, the devil is on the driver's seat. And God can do nothing about it. The Holy Ghost will let you struggle, do your thing, how he wanted, when he wanted, and watch you die. Watch you go to prison, watch you destroy your marriage, your family, anything, everything, your health, smoke yourself to death, ruin your life. He's there. He will not disturb you. He will never tamper with your will. So when you come to a place where you are tired of being on the driver's seat, then you are ready for a miracle. Then you are ready for God. Yeah. The system of this world and the pressure from people and things is pressing us to step over and push God aside. Even though we love him, we sing to him, oh Lord, be quiet here, sit down here, okay? I love you, I love you. <clears throat> sit down here, all right. Ooh. Then in the evening again, we come on, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You are wonderful, God. You are great. But don't disturb my plans. <laughs> Until one day that your little car crash, your little life break down completely in pieces. And then you learn the lesson. Hope, hope, hope you learn it. So here we see Samson. Delilah have shaved his head. And they ask him, hey, your enemy is here. And he tried to stir up strength. It is gone. And they blinded his eyes, shaved his head, and bound him and take him to grind like a cow. And you remember the story, the Bible says, there came a day when all the gods of the Philistines, all the lords, we are together. And they had this big party to celebrate. 
and they have this big party. Look what happens here in chapter 16. Let me go ahead and read that for you. All right? In fact, in verse 16, it says, And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words, and all things so that his soul was vexed unto death. Temptation, pressure from people. It can be nagging. We have a nagging wife, a nagging husband, a nagging neighbor, a nagging friend, pestering you, putting pressure on you. All they want is a piece of your flesh. Forget about it's your God and church and Christianity. Play the fool. Like Pharaoh's, I mean, Potiphar was nagging on, on Joseph. It wasn't one day thing. It was a continuous nagging. Every time she turned, every time she walked, her, walk, her talk, everything was a pressure on this long, young boy. And this woman pressured Samson unto death. That's why it is dangerous to live among people or in an environment where constantly your life is under intense pressure. You have to, like Joseph, Joseph learned this streak. Joseph had to leave that environment. He had to run away. Say with me, run away. Say again, run away. Don't die in secret. Tell it to the pastor. Come, tell it to the leaders. Tell them what you are going through. What is happening in your life. Don't wait till you die. The devil will tell you, don't tell anybody. If you tell it, I'll kill you. He will put all kinds of us and he will let you pressured to death. Come on, if somebody is pressuring you to death. This is why you have a church. You have leaders. Don't have a secret with the devil. Expose that secret today. Tell it to your father, your father in the Lord. Tell it to the mamas. Tell, say, listen, look, it's what I'm going through in my life. I've been scared to tell anybody. And I'm even warned not to tell anybody that if I tell anybody, they're going to kill me. Tell it! And Samson allowed himself to stand under that very pressure. And at last, there was no strength in him to resist her anymore. You can have a friend. You want to keep your virginity, but it's nagging. It's pressurizing you. Using all kinds of seduction and giving you gifts and touching your body and, 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 and you, you don't know. You know, I don't want to go this way. The devil said, hey, are you going to lose this? Thing? Nice man, he has a nice car. He has nice things. Give him what he wants. And you allow your soul to be plundered. And so it happened with Samson. And in verse 21, it says, But the Philistines took him and put his out of his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with feathers of brass, and he did grind in the prison. <laughs> Look at verse 22. It says, But how bet the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. Then the lots of Philistines gathered themselves together for a, to offer a great sacrifice unto Dagon their God. And to rejoice for they said, our God had delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hand. And when the people saw him, they praised their God, demon gods. For they said, our God has delivered unto our hands our enemy and the destroyer of our country, which slew many of us. It will shock you how many pastors, preachers, churches abound and tormented. 
Why? Before the enemy can bind you and torment you, he must first of all weaken you. And when we are weakened, we become a cheap prayer. Bound. Bound in the mind. Bound in the eyes. Bound everywhere. Chained. And then tormented. And now they make a sport out of him. They make a mockery of him and his God. Oh, you go to church? <laughs> you go to church? Yeah, he's smoking dope with us also. And you go to church on Sunday, and, and Monday you're on strip club. <laughs> and you're watching those things, you go to church also? What a shame today, what we call Christianity. Lord, save us. And in verse, um, and Samson said unto the Lord, that's verse 26 now, that held him by the hand, suffer me that I may feel the pillars we are upon, the house standing, that I may lean upon them. Now the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there, and they were upon the roof, about 3,000 men and women that beheld Samson while he made a spot. Where they made a mockery of him. They whip him, they slap him, they put insect to bite, and he was just shaking. They were mocking, they were laughing. I pray for you today. And for anyone who watched this message, that the Almighty God give you an 11th hour miracle. That your soul be liberated. That you be no more a mockery to your enemies. Where they will not tell you, sing to us some of those songs of Zion. Where is your God? Where is your faith now? Where is the church? I had, I had many years ago in, in Africa in a university. There was a young, beautiful young woman who was a Christian girl in the, church, in, the, in the university there. They normally attend this university campus meetings, you know. So. And there was a professor in that school that always tried to, you know, draw her a seducer. And the girl was, was sharp and active and alive. Get out, you unbeliever. And the man was shocked how this young girl was resisting him. But there was a boy in the church where this girl attended. And somehow, in her mind, she began to believe that she will be the wife of that man. A brother that is in the church. So somehow, the brother didn't tell him that. Nobody told her that. But somehow, she thinks that she's going to be the right woman, the right wife of that brother. So he, she conceived that lie. And began to incubate that lie. That she will be the wife of that man. So the brother, the brother loves everybody. He says, hey, sister, how are you? God bless you. So she always, that must be a confirmation for me. And then one day it was announced in their church that this brother is being engaged to this brother, to, to this sister. Her heart broke. That night, she walked straight to the professor's home in the night and knocked on, her, on his door and said to him, you've been looking for me, now you got me. Wow. And that night, she received syphilis, AIDS. You must be very careful what you conceive in your heart. You must be very sure what you are incubating. You can incubate a lie, a falsehood, a deception. You can be waiting for God in the wrong places. You can follow God in your own imagination and reasoning with no crystal clear word or promise of God given to you. 
You can be waiting for God in your own imaginations. And then you say, God, why? Why? And God, God never told you that. He has never promised you that. This is why I have to be very careful about what people call faith. Faith is not what you use to make God do something. Make sure what you are incubating is conceived in union with the Holy Spirit. Say with me, I must be careful what I'm conceiving and incubating to make sure it is a seed of the Holy Ghost. Because you can be pregnant with a lie. And the devil will let you conceive chaff. The Lord warned me years ago, don't conceive the wind. Isaiah H says, we have been pregnant. We have gone through the motions of delivery. And we when everybody saw our stomach is heavy and big, we are every day, mm, I'm walking, I'm trying, I'm struggling, I'm doing my best. And you are pregnant with something. And at the end, you gave birth to a wind. And he says, neither have the inhabitants of the earth fallen. Many times the churches are pregnant, but not conceived by the Holy Spirit. We are waiting, we are believing, we are confessing, we are using all our spiritual energy and strength to, to conceive a lie. The Lord told me I'm going to be a global evangelist. He told me I'm going to be like Billy Graham. I'm going to be like this. I see myself before millions and billions. And so why would I go to a church like this? I'm a man of God. I'm a woman of God. I, I'm even more anointed than the pastor. The Lord showed me a vision of how I'm going to be a great man and great woman of God. So why should I go there and clean the church? I'm too big to be cleaning the church. And you can conceive a lie. And even prophesy it. And the spark is not of God. The spark is of your own spirit, of your own ambition and pride and arrogance. And you, you want to use God and Bible and church to push forward your own plan and will. <laughs> Years ago, I was uh, praying for people in, 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 in Czech Republic. And, and I was praying for people. And I came, uh, I came to a lady. I was beginning to prophesy to her. And I said to her, for the next two weeks, don't read the Bible. Next two weeks, don't pray. Next two weeks, don't do nothing spiritual and everything will be all right. I slapped myself. I said, what am I doing? How can I tell someone not to read the Bible or pray or fast for two weeks? And somehow, the woman obeyed. And in two weeks' time, she came to me and said, when you were telling me that, I and my, we already have the divorce paper signed. We're about to give it to them. When I stopped praying, stopped fasting, stopped reading the Bible for two weeks, my heart changed. Wow. All my prayer, all my fasting, all my Bible confessions, I was pointing hand on my husband. That he is guilty. He is the wrong person. All my prayer was... Everything was... Everything I was doing spiritual was to... Put my husband, let him bow his knee, let him cry to me, let him repent before me, let him crawl like a dog and beg me. I was using everything spiritual to push my will through against my husband. 
She said, the moment I stopped for two weeks, my heart was, that, that balloon that was over her soul, it broke. And now she could see. Much of the church world today, in the, mostly in the Western nations, are using Bible and church and their spiritual energy and power to try to control other people. And that is witchcraft. They are using order to push their will. To influence somebody, to control somebody, to make somebody do their will. And that is not strength. That is weakness. Real spiritual strength doesn't bind people. It sets people free. There are people that use even their spiritual life to, to, to seduce women in the church. Oh, that brother is spiritual. That sister is spiritual. The moment they get you, they start to go, stop going to church. All I prayer, hallelujah, was to get a woman. To impress a sister in the church. To impress a brother in the church. The moment you say, I will, they said, I'm not going anymore. Because they got what they wanted. All that fasting and prayer and being active and being involved was well, just to get a woman, just to get a man. The moment they get that man, that woman, they're gone. But what I want to show you is this. The Bible says in that very hall where there were up to 3,000 people, Samson laid hold on the beams, the pillars that hold that building, and he said, oh God, Strengthen me just one more time. Now, so with me, O oh Lord, my God, strengthen me just one more time. Oh, I love that. Tell somebody, your strength is coming back. Your strength is coming back. Your strength is coming back. Oh, the Bible says his hair began to grow again. Say with me, his hair began to grow again. As I'm speaking to you, somehow your hairs are growing. <laughs> you can feel a tingling, a tingling in your hair. It's like something is, ah, I'm getting my strength back. Hallelujah. Verse 20, it says, And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once. Yeah. O God, that I may be at once avenged of Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood and on which it was borne up of the one with his right hand and the other with his left hand. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his might. And the house fell upon the Lord and upon all the people that we are daring. So the dead which he slew at his death, we are more than they which he slew in his life. You see, your death, will accomplish more than your life. The Lord Jesus said, except 
the corn of wheat fall to the ground and die. Till flesh is dead. Till self is, is dethroned. When self is dethroned and Christ is enthroned. When your own desires and passions and all that is dethroned. And Christ is enthroned. You accomplish more in your death than in your life. As long as we choose to live, we will make no impact. Only those who choose to die make impact. When you say to yourself, listen, self, you are dying today. I will no more feed this beast. Flesh, you are dying tonight. Unrighteousness, I want to get back to purity. I don't care what it costs me. I must reclaim back my strength and my walk with God. I used to know when I used to be strong. <laughs> you know, Samson could tell people, now, he was like an ordinary person. He can say, no, 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 I am not normal now. Come, come. Do you see that, that metal beam on top of that hill? I took it from this gate. I took it up there. That's when I was normal. Come, follow me. Do you see this place here, Lehi? I killed a thousand men with this jawbone of an ass. That was when I was normal. Do you see that place there with the, where there are bees and there are honey? You know what this is? No, this is when I ripped a lion to pieces. And my family didn't even know what I did. In a second, I just, like a fly. That's when I was normal. I am not normal being weak. God is commanding your strength. God is commanding your strength. The journey is too far. You can't afford to be a weak man at this hour. Vanity will make nest on your soul. He killed more in his death than in his life. He accomplished more in one day than he accomplished in all his life. When you and I come to a place where we can say, it is no more I that live it, but Christ that lives in me. It is not for the preachers. It is not for the pastors. It is for everyone. The, the Lord Jesus Christ said in Matthew 24 and Mark 13, he said, when you see the abomination, say with me, when you see the abomination of desolation standing in the holy place. Now say again, when you see the abomination of desolation standing in the holy place, then know that the end is there. Also, Paul spoke about it, about the man of sin going to sit in the temple of God. The, the abomination that makes it desolate, that, de that desecrates, that defiles. When it is standing or sitting in the holy place, know that the end is near. You see, the Lucifer never intended to leave heaven. His plan was not, let me take one third of heaven's angels and go and create my own world. No, his plan was to arise to the mount of God, to sit on the throne and become like the most high. He never planned to leave heaven. That's why he, he, he had to be forced out of heaven against his will. 
His, he said, I will. I will arise. I will arise. The devil's plan was never to... He would say, well, if you would take one ton of heaven's angels and say, okay, God, you got it, and I'm gone. That would even be better. No, but he, he never intended to leave heaven. His plan was to sit on the throne. You would say, for example, in the world today, there are billions of unbelievers. There are billions of people that doesn't know Jesus Christ. Why don't the devil keep himself busy with those people? Why is he troubling the handful of Christians? I mean, he has billions. Look at all the Hindus and Buddhists and Islams. Why don't you just say, okay, hey, you stupid Christians, go your way. I don't care about you guys. I won't waste my sin on you anymore. Let me just go. I mean, I have billions. I have more people than God got. So let me just, no, 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 no. His plan and his desire and passion is to defile whatever is holy. And the only holy thing on earth today is the body of Christians. Your body is a temple of Jehovah. A young, curious man ran to Adam and said, Adam, please show me God. I want to see God. Adam said, oh, oh he used to be here. But then I ate that fruit and he's gone. He said, I want to see God. He said, okay, let me go to Noah. I come to Noah and say, Noah, please, can I see God? Noah said, oh, oh. After the flood, I made an altar. I offered him a sacrifice. He came, smelled the sacrifice, and gave me a word. But I cannot really say. <laughs> if I don't see God, I will die. I will die. Then he ran to Abraham. Abraham, please show me God. Abraham said, I was a man Moria. I was about to offer my son Isaac for him. He spoke to me and gave me a lamb and gave me back my son. On Mount of Moria. You may have to climb up there and see. But do you have a son to offer? The boy said, I have nothing to offer. So, oh my God. Who can show me God? He came to Moses. He said, Moses, please, please, can you show me God? Moses said, I, I have to climb the mount. And I'll be there 40 days and 40 nights. Can you climb the mount? Okay, keep the laws. The boy said, I've been keeping all the law all my life. And I still cannot find God. And then he came to the judges and cried to this and that. Show me God. I want to meet God. They said to him, you have asked a hard thing. Take your sword and knife and fight for Zion. And maybe you will see God. And then he, he was so disappointed. He came to the priests. He said, priests, can you show me God? The priest said, be careful. Only the high priest can enter into the Holy of Holies once a year. And he must carry a bowl of blood. And while he's going in there, we have to tie a bell around his waist and hold him with a rope. In case God kills him, we can't go there. We have to pull him out. So if you intrude into his presence, he will kill you. Out of his desperation, he ran to Nazareth. And he met a Nazarene called Jesus Christ. He said, oh, Jesus, Rabbi, great teacher, can you show me? I want to see God or I will die. And Jesus said to him, son, your search is over. If you see me, you see the Father. He is in me. I am in him. I and God, we are one. This is 
is the mystery that is hidden through the ages. Christ in you, your hope of glory, your hope of strength, your body is a temple of ancient of days. Until our mind is renewed to be aware and conscious, God is in me. God is in me. That's not a religious Bible jargon. We are in the season of total, complete possessions. Demons and devils are possessing people. They are turning human beings into cannibals. Look, people in, in Israel, they will go and cut the heads of infants and kill and butcher them. I believe some of them drank the blood of those children. These are no more humans. They are totally evil spirits. They are demons in human skin. We are, in this, we are in the last days. It's the days of fullness. You will see the fullness of evil and the fullness of good. The fullness of light and darkness. This is the hour where the gods who dwell in people will come out. And so you have to understand. This is no more time to believe in a God who is up there or who is there. It's a time you know. My body is not my own. My life is not my own. Christ in me. Christ in me. God is in me. That's the New Testament. And God said, come out from among them and be separate. And be holy, for I am holy. And I will be a God to you and you will be my children. I will dwell in you, I will dwell in you. I will walk in you and walk to you. Christ in me. Christ in me. You shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes in and dwell. The indwelling God. The God who indwells. Present your body. As a living sacrifice. That's your only reasonable and sensible service. Christ in me. That your children will see God in you. Your wife will see God in you. Your co-workers, they will see God in you. They will say, there is something in you. What is that? You are not white. You are not black. You are nothing in between. What is that spark in your eyes? How come you have hope in the midst of hopelessness? How come you have confidence when everybody's afraid and panicking? What is the secret of that strength? Where do you get that energy from? Where? You're a Christian? I'm also a Christian, but why? Where is this strength coming from? <laughs> why can't anything break you? Why are you not confused like us? Why are you not tired, discouraged, helpless? What's 
is the secret of that strength. This is not preaching now. This is not Christianity. I, I'm telling you, this is the life. This is the reality. The Almighty God infuses dunamis. Strength into your being. Strength. Divine ability inside of you. Christ in me. Greater is he. We quote it, but we don't really understand it. Christ in me. The hope. The hope. The hope. You overcome them. Why? How? Because the greater one is in you. Not because you believe in God. Not because you do, but because he lives in you. By the power of his indwelling presence. In these last days, people are going to be full of demons and violence and crime. It's filling everywhere. Some of the streets now, you can't even go them in the night. Even in Africa, in many places, you can see people full of evil. Totally, completely given to vanity and filth and bondage. They are not, they are just Evil spirits in a human skin. Be very careful who you marry today. Be very careful who you fall in love with. The devil will fix you a cake in a beautiful body. When you open your eyes, you are watching strip people. You are watching pornography. You are, wa you are worshiping demons. Because those bodies are the temple of hell. They are the temple of demons. They are not humans. They are the temple of demons. When you open your eyes to them, the devil will enter through your eye gate, through your ear gate. And he gets inside and settles down. When he begins to mock and bicker and gossip and speak against the things of God, you, with your own tongue, destroy your own life. I challenge you, be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. The devil's passion has always been to occupy the holy place. When you see what is happening in Israel, it is parallel with the church. What is happening there physically is happening in the church spiritually. While they are out on God, they, they lose their God. A moment you lose your God, the enemy attacks in that moment of weakness. When you are no more watchful. The Lord said to you and I, be watchful. That you fall not into temptation. This is the hour of strength. Divine strength. Supernatural strength. Every day the Holy Ghost wants to serve you divine dynamis. He infused that into your bone. Somebody say Hallelujah. These are the days of strength. And the demons will be crushed as the church rise up in power. Glory. The world think they have known Christianity. They think they know Christians. They think they know how Christians are and behave. I remember years ago, uh, a guy, when I came to check newly, a, man, a guy told an American missionary, come and see this black 
man from Africa. Come to his meeting. The American missionary said to him, I, I know how black people preach. I know. He said, come. I, as I know you may know, but just come. At least do some st stupid thing and just come. So he well, was that stupid to come. And he came in. You know, sometimes it is easy for the devil and people can tell, I know you, I know, I know, I know how the river of life goes. But I'm telling you, you've seen nothing yet. God is in this hour tuning up the heat of divine strength and electricity that will redefine every child of God who is hungry for the divine strength to walk in them. You will accomplish more in a short time when you operate in the place of strength and power. You will accomplish more materially, financially, in every area of your life as you step into divine strength. As you begin to preserve and protect and be connected. In the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 10, it says, when the axe is sharp, say with me, when the axe is sharp, you don't have to put much strength to it. Why is it sharp? But when this axe is not sharp, this is how we are today as Christians. We are trying to put so much energy. But when the axe is sharp, the trees are going down. Somebody say hallelujah. Say with me, Lord, Lord sharpen, sharpen my axe. Sharpen, sharpen my axe head in the name of Jesus Christ. It will surprise you how quickly the trees are fallen. Just in the name of Jesus. And so what? No strength. Just in the name. Thank God. The secret of strength is when you've learned and known your emptiness. You are desperate for a change. And you are willing to die to self. Samson said to God, I am not asking you for life anymore. Shame on life. Just strengthen me this once. I believe God that in these last days the Lord will strengthen the body of Christ once. One more time. The church will know strength one more time. Globally. I believe that with all my heart that a church is going to come to a place where they are terribly desperate for the divine strength. Where they are willing now to pay any price. They, are no more, they don't care about this world anymore. They don't care about politics anymore. They don't care about who is there in the White House anymore. They, they don't want to work. They don't care anymore. They just want God now. And they will come to a place of desperation. Where we say, God, we are no more asking for good life. We're no more asking for money and car and property and fun. And we're just asking for your strength. Strengthen us just one more time. Give us just a short time to accomplish what we could not accomplish in our lifetime. Yes. May that be the cry of your heart. Yes. It is not too late. I believe with all my heart. 
We are in this very season where the church is coming. Pressure and problem in the world and the flesh has brought us to a place where we are, we are desperate for his strength. Where you don't care anymore about what people think about you. You don't care what they say. You don't want to fit in anymore among your carnal Christian friends. You don't care. You don't care if they call you fanatic. You just want to do the will of God. You just want to live pure and clean and get ready for heaven. You don't care anymore what other people think when they call you crazy. You are crazy. You are holy roller. You don't care anymore. I cannot allow myself to keep on going down and down and down. And I'm continuously strained and drained of strength of energy. I'm tired of hearing all this gossip. All this bickering, all this jealousy, all this envy and fools. And every time, watch, send me this. Stop sending me those things. You are tired of your fool. You are tired of television. I pray that God make you tired and desperate. Where you are tired of just living an ordinary life. You keep quiet and flesh and sin is soaking and ruining your life. You, are, you open your ear to hear useless nonsense things because you want to keep those friends. It's time you cry out from your heart. You tell that man, either we marry or you go away. Either we marry or we forget it. How long are we going to be doing this thing? I want God. If you like, live. I just want to return back pure. Amen. Even if I have to be single all my life, this my body can never again be defiled unless I'm married. Forget it. I'm tired of it. I'm totally, completely tired. I'm tired of living as a hypocrite. Answering a Christian in the mouth, but never live like one. I pray for you and I that we come to that moment of desperation where we say, Lord, strengthen me just one more time. I'm tired of watching myself, smoking myself to death. After church, I light up. In the car, I light up. I'm cursing, I'm lying, I'm deceiving people. And here I say, oh God. Lord, how far can I continue this way? Purify my life. Strengthen me. Just one more time. The Lord Jesus Christ is hearing the cry of our heart. I don't want to be pregnant with the wind. Incubating and conceiving a lie. Something that God never promised me. But somehow I allow that feeling and I keep on nudging it. That man going to marry you. That man going to die. That woman going to die and you marry the husband. This one, and, and you just sit in the church and waiting for someone to die. And you conceive a lie. And you incubate the wind. And that last thing didn't happen and you broke away. Make sure what you are pregnant with today is a seed of the Holy Spirit. Pray with me, say, Father, in the name of Jesus, any lie and every lie and this it that I have conceived and incubating, my God, today, let your power break it. Set me free in my heart, in my mind. Any falsehood, 
any lie that I feed my mind on, any foolish imaginations and ambitions and lie, whatever the Heavenly Father have not planted in me, Lord, uproot it. I want to incubate and conceive only that which is of God in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can we stand, please? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And so we are strengthened by his word, by his spirit. And we are mightily strengthened by his indwelling presence. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Because our bodies is the temple of God. When we present our body continuously to God and say, Holy Ghost, this is your temple. Don't share it with any demon or with any disease. Arise within your temple. Occupy every space. Destroy stress. Destroy anxiety. This is your temple. Ruin any implant of hell. Any demonic, satanic witchcraft projections into my brain. Into my thoughts, even in my dreams. Any unclean thing I want to step in and defile your temple. Let it be destroyed. This body is your temple. Purify it. Cleanse it. And fill every spot. Let your presence in my body ruin every pain. Break any pain. This is your temple. Arise, arise within me and destroy every depression. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. And say, Lord, today, take over the driver's seat. I will sit over here. You'll be on the driver's seat. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. But I'm touched mightily when the Bible says, Sarah was barren. And the Bible says, through faith, she received the strength to conceive seed. Say with me, through faith. faith. By believing, by by totally leaning upon God, she received strength to conceive seed. Why? Because she judged him faithful who has <laughs> Through faith, she receives strength to conceive seed and brought forth a child. Even when she was barren and past the age, she was totally, completely persuaded that God has promised was faithful. Say with me, Father, I am fully, completely persuaded that your word is true, that you live in me, and I live in you, and you and I, we are one, that my body is your temple, and you will live in this temple. You are my God. I am fully persuaded that your word is true, that what you promised in your word is sealed by the blood of Jesus. You will never lie. Your word is true. I cling to your word, and by faith, I receive strength to accomplish everything you ordain for me to accomplish. By faith, I receive the finances. By faith, 
I receive the wisdom to accomplish everything. By faith, I receive the grace to be pure and be clean and serve you in righteousness and in power in the name of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. We are, we are also strengthened by the laying on of hands. And that's the last here today. The lame man, the get called beautiful, born lame, Peter said, rise and walk. And Peter reached out to him and put him up and strength came, flew through Peter into him. And he yanked him up and his ankle bones received strength. And so by the laying of hands, the power of God is transmitted. But may, just one more minute, listen. The strength. Years ago, we were in, in Holland for a conference. We went there, took a team from Czech Republic. And in the vision, I saw a lady do something that was not clean. And suddenly, the entire team fell like feeders. Become so weak, they fell like feeders. The Christian life is a life that is connected. This is the life we live in. My life is my own. You cannot tell me what to do. You cannot tell, tell me what to do. What I, what I, it's my life is my life. It's, this is a life from hell. A body, a group of people, they are all connected. Yeah. Your sinful life will affect your pastor. Mm. Your compromises will affect your husband. It will affect your wife. It will affect your children. We are one body. We should stop this lie we live in. How you live affects me. How I live affects you. If I'm strong, it affects you. If I'm weak, it affects you. The Bible said that all of us should be built up. Built up into a mighty temple of God. Yes. The, I am tired of people living as if their life is their own. Right. No, we are all connected. Yeah, Tell somebody, please. please. We, are we are all connected. We are one body. How you live affects me. Your life is not your own. Your life is my life, and my life is your life. We are one bread. We are one body. What you do, how you do, what you do in secret affects the whole church. I wish it is not so, but it is so. We are either strong together or we are weak together. The Lord opened my eyes to see the connectivity of the body of Christ. Ah, who will tell me what to do? It's my life. Now, if you are a sinner, if you are a lost soul, it doesn't affect me. Look at COVID. One person pick it and spread it. The same way it is in the spirit. You pick that filth. You open that dirty door. The flies follow you to the church. The devil is always looking for somebody to hitchhike. To go to church. He found a sinful, compromising young woman. He, they just perch on her. And ride on her to the church. 
Years ago, I was in the spirit, and a man was coming to church when we had it in Czech Republic. I saw a demon perch on his back and rode on him to church. And then as he came to the church, the demon got out of him and stayed by the door outside. And as he was leaving, the devil come back and jumped on him and went with him home. Don't give the devil a hitchhiking. What does it mean that you love me? If you love me, live clean. If I love you, I live clean. What I do affects you, whether you like it or not. Only one man, Achan, stole something in Jericho. One man, in secret, stole it and hid it. The entire army of Israel went down. I was not there when Adam ate the forbidden fruit. I was not there. I didn't eat that fruit. Adam ate it. And here we are for 6,000 yes. years. Yes. Yes. I beg you, love me. Love the church. What you do affects your children. What you do affects your wife. How you live your life affects your children. Because of my children, I live pure. I live holy. For my wife's sake, I sanctify myself. For the sake of the body of Christ, I sanctify myself. If we can come to that place where we understand, honey, it's not just me and you what we do. What we do here in secret will affect the church tomorrow. It will dampen God's presence in the church. Yes. Without, even the pastor is strong, he's praying, he's seeking God, but we are weakening him. Our lives are connected. Try it and see when there's a joint sanctification. Life flows to everybody. We are all branches of the same vine. We are connected. That's the mystery of our lives. Jesus said for your sex, I sanctify myself that you also might be sanctified. There are many children who have been destroyed by their fathers. I remember of a young woman Strong in Christ, loving God. But when she secretly, the father thought she was sleeping. Didn't know that the girl was just not sleeping. And he watched the father, who was a Christian elder, watching pornography. It completely ruined the girl's life. She fell away from church and went free. The things you do affects the world around you. That's the mystery of our lives. What you do. That's callous moment. That unguarded moment. When that, that me time. When you do, forget about everybody around. And you think your life is your own. No. That's love. Love is you sanctifying yourself. So that other people might also be made clean. So you become not a weakening link, but a strong link in the body of Christ. Can somebody say hallelujah? hallelujah. That's love. The more pure you live, the more strong I am. The more clean I live, the more strong you are. We are all connected. Father, I pray today for all of us. Help us to understand the mystery of oneness in Christ. One body. One blood, one father, one destiny, one body. By one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. 
You can see some preacher somewhere doing something stupid over there. They don't even know the preacher. But the whole church world just crumbles. The devil is looking for people he can use to weaken everybody. Miriam was leprous and the journey stopped till she was recovered back. If you love your wife, live holy. If you love your children, live clean. If you love the church, live clean. Our lives are connected. I, Father, I pray today with all my heart that you might open our eyes to understand the mystery of joint strength and joint salvation. That we are all connected. That we ought to sanctify one another. The church, the family, the children. Help us to know that our lives are all connected. None of us live for themselves. None of us die for themselves. We are one body. Open our eyes again, oh Father. That there's in the body of Christ, there's no black, there's no white. What one person do affects everybody. Holy Ghost, help us again to understand this truth. That's what love is. Thank you, dear Father. Thank you, mighty God. And brethren, I'm going to be here and I will lay my hands on you if you want to. And the Lord strengthen you by his mighty spirit. And I believe God is already healing us here tonight. Peace is returning back. Quietness is returning back. Strength is coming back. God wants you strong. God wants you cleansed and purified. It will shock you the moment you start living clean. What you've been trying to get for 10 years comes immediately. The backbone of darkness is broken. The moment you enter into a place of purity, all that the enemy have robbed you, come back to you. When you pray, your prayer is strong and your faith is real. Tonight you say, Pastor, yes, I want you to pray for me. I'll be here to pray for you. As we close in, remember I still have some few of this book and magazines. I want to get just three copies more. And I'll be here to pray with you tonight. Hallelujah. And just lay, I've already done all the prayer. Just lay my hands on you. The anointing is here already. And I know that Lord, I've already begun to do a lot of miracles in our bodies. Some of you will have the best sleep of your life tonight. <laughs> you will look for the migraine. It is gone while I was preaching. Look for the pain. It is gone while, God, while I was the I was speaking. While we are listening to his word, God was already healing you and strengthening you. Somebody say hallelujah. And remember, you can carry the glory of God to your home, to your house, to the church. If you love people, if you love the church, live clean. Those of you that want me to pray with you, just come quickly in the front. If you have sick somebody and they are here, bring them in the front. The Lord is here. Please don't just come for prayer. Come and receive your miracle. God.